Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 174 of At Odds with Wrestling. Joe and Adam here. Adam, hello. Hello, Joe. How are you? I'm doing fine. Let's get it right out of the way. Uh, I don't have a horse in the race when it comes to your Steelers. (laughs) Um, I thought you were a bandwagon Raiders fan. No, I'm... If you make me choose a team to like, I'm going to pick the Raiders because back in the late 80s, early 90s, when I followed non-professional wrestling sports, Mm. uh, the Raiders were my football team, the Yankees were my baseball team, and the Sixers were my basketball team. Okay. And then Um, 1994 was when baseball went on strike. And World Wrestling Entertainment told me they never go on strike. <laughs> so I'm like, well, I know Can't what I'm sticking that. with. Right. Yeah, that's just that's just compelling argument right there. But, uh, yeah, Joe, obviously the Steelers lost. Uh, I said that last week on the air that I was not expecting anything different. Uh, congrats, Marcus, and uh, I guess Tim by proxy, your Chiefs advanced. And uh, I was just happy to have, like, a quarter – like the first quarter of the game where it wasn't a complete blowout. So I got to feel involved a little bit, but I'm okay with it. I'm, I've moved on. Have you? I have. Uh-huh. Listen, all I had to do is like, I, there was a little bit of arguing on Twitter because there's a certain fan base, you know, this one fan base that like has never won anything and never will because they're just a terrible franchise and poorly run and, uh, and their fans come out of the woodwork the, and are always like the Eagles. No, no, not that bad. Uh, <laughs> but this this fan base loves to come out and just be like, your team is terrible and your quarterback is terrible. And I'm just like, no, you don't know what you're talking about. So I enjoy arguing on Twitter. But like I said, I knew the Steelers were going to lose. I'm not upset about it. I went into the year hoping that they would finish at least like 500, like eight and eight, which is impossible with the extra game. But you know what I mean? I didn't want a losing season, so I'm happy. Right now I'll say this and this, you know, this may be an, an, uh, an, 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 an of something that may come up. Right. Uh, maybe analogous of something that comes up later on the show. Uh, but I was unfamiliar with this person that you were talking about when you were fighting back and forth. And listen, I'll say it with Cleveland Browns fans, right? (gasps) Uh, so, sure. <laughs> so this person's name that you mentioned, I Googled his name, right? Uh-huh. And Adam, wouldn't you know, being a football man wasn't the first thing that came up when I searched his name. <laughs> it <laughs> well, wasn't see, even like the second or third thing that came up when I searched his name. You so see, here's I, the thing. I'm like, huh, I wonder how difficult this must be for people to search this guy's name to see what he's up to. The Steelers were thinking of changing his name to just Ben so they can make it harder to search those things. There you go. <laughs> they were dropping the last name like Riddle. <laughs> oh. Anyway, I wanted to get my, my joke in. I'd been working on that since Tuesday, so. <laughs> I'm glad it worked out. All right. And now, At Odds With Wrestling presents This Day in Wrestling History. All right, so we're continuing to look at uh, the Monday Night Wars as the Attitude Era, head-to-head, 1997, 25 years ago this week. Um, And some big things actually happened, right? 
Okay. Nitro's still two hours. This is the first live Raw of 1997, okay? Um, Nitro is just a mess of matches, Um, you know, because we really needed to fill up time with Jim Duggan versus Carl Willette. Of course. Uh, Masahiro Chono versus Dave Taylor. A main event in any building. Right. Scotty Riggs against NWO Sting. Uh, no comment. <laughs> okay. Uh, but uh, storyline-wise, angle-wise, and so on, this is the first time that Macho Man has appeared on TV uh, since Halloween Havoc. And uh, this uh, is the first time in history where Sting does the rappel down from the uh, the rafters. Okay. How, did he beat up like 70 members of the NWO or was it just like 30 that night? Okay, so this was the thing. If you remember at this time, it was very short-lived. They were kind of teasing that Macho Man was going to be aligned with Sting. As like, you didn't know which side they were on, if they were going to be NWO or WCW. And then obviously we re- we find out like maybe a month later that Macho Man ends up joining the NWO. But this was the beginning of, so Macho Man comes, he hijacks the show, NWO come down to get rid of Macho, Sting comes down to save Macho. And then if you also remember from this time where, Ma- where Sting would do the thing where he would hand the bat to someone and turn his back to them to see if they would hit him or not. Mm-hmm. So he does that with Macho, Macho doesn't, and then the show kind of goes off the air with that. Uh, but it was like, uh, you know, maybe like eight to nine members of the NWO that Sting ran off. And he didn't, and this is the other thing, so he didn't do the rappel into the ring, he did the rappel over by like where the commentary station was, and then made his way to the ring from there. Hmm. Okay. They were still think... working out the logistics of Sting rappelling into the uh, into the ring. Interesting. All right, fair enough. And so, I was going to say, what did WWE counter-program this with? Well, Monday Night Raw is still an hour, but they were live. Um, The matches that we got uh, was Owen Hart and the British Bulldog taking on Furnace and LaFon. (laughs) Okay. Farouk taking on Bart Gunn. It's like an episode of Thrill Zone in here. (laughs) And Undertaker taking on Steve Austin. Okay, match we'd see many more times over the next, like, three years. But this was the whole big thing of, um, I guess this is, like, the first seed that was planted of the Bret Hart heel turn that would come at WrestleMania. Uh, He comes out and he cuts a promo on Vince saying that he's quitting the WWF. Uh, This may have been, at least in storyline, the first time that they acknowledged on like part of a storyline that Vince was the owner, not just the announcer man. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so this was kind of like the beginning of, you know, this is like the real beginning of the Bret Hart heel turn. You know, everyone says, oh, the double turn came out of nowhere and it was masterfully done. Um, it was a little bit more subtle over the last couple of weeks, but like this first live Raw was like, Bret was like very unlikable, you know? Yeah, and I will argue that outside of the ring, there's not much Bret Hart did that was masterfully done. Well, listen, that's not an <laughs> argument you're going to win in any any day of your life. <laughs> it depends on who I'm arguing with, but anyways. Well, the only person who would agree with you ain't on Twitter right now, so. Yeah, well, he, he leaves voicemail, so it's okay. Ed, next, next time you call when we hit the pink button, uh, tell us a little bit about Bret Hart. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a while. Exactly. 
but also on this day, wrestling history, 20 years ago, and again, 20 years ago, the Royal Rumble took place from Atlanta, Georgia. I don't know where it took place. Um, the, I would say the most notable matches off this was the Ric Flair, Vince McMahon street fight, <laughs> which is a crazy match. Uh, this was the beginning of Vince essentially changing his wrestling style to that of a glorified backyarder. <laughs> where he takes no bumps and just does like weapon shots and bleeds. <laughs> As opposed to his catch as catch can style that he had before that. Well, you know, he would like, you know, maybe like he'd grab a wrestling hold. move here and there, you know? He'd grab a hold, you know? Yeah, he'd grab a hold, sure. <laughs> uh, but this was the Royal Rumble, uh, that it was Triple H's return from the quad injury the previous May. It's a beautiful day. That's right. Triple H, <laughs> who did he ever beat? Anyway, uh, so he wins the Royal Rumble here to go on to the main event of WrestleMania to challenge for the undisputed title. Um, And this was when Triple H came back and he was so gassed up, he had like an extra back. <laughs> and for the next like three months, like, or for like, yeah, for the next three months from now until Mania, the only people who wrestles on TV is some combination of Booker T, Kurt Angle, and Chris Jericho. Even though he wrestles Chris Jericho in the main event, they still like wrestle. They, they still wrestled on TV a bunch in like handicap matches or tag team matches or whatever the hell it was. Because those are the only three people that they trusted to carry Triple H's bloated ass through matches because he was so gassed up at this point. <laughs> and even at the time, like I was a burgeoning smart, and I'm like, yeah, like after like two weeks, it's like. Yeah, Triple H ain't moving around too well. Like, I get he's, like, a baby face, and I get he's back and all this other stuff. I'm like, you know, this is, like, the third week in a row that he's wrestling Booker T. What's <laughs> going on here, guys? What's up? Well, he just likes to have the same dance partners, that's all. Yeah, that's definitely what it was. Yeah, didn't want to didn't want to push himself too much. You know, didn't want to show off. <laughs> but, but this Royal Rumble was also one of, I would say even to this day, a top five Royal Rumble moment. Can you think of moments in the Royal Rumble? Like, like memorable eliminations, let's say that. No, oh, of course not. Uh, 2002, memorable eliminations, was it? Just, uh, if, if I say, like, don't, like, if I say, what's, like, one of the most memorable eliminations in Royal Rumble history? Uh, Maven eliminated the Undertaker. That's this Royal Rumble. 20 okay. years ago today. <laughs> Glad it worked out for him, too. You know, that long storied career that Maven has gotten since then. Well, listen, he signed that lucrative uh, uh, FWF contract recently, you know? (laughs) Well, yeah. He's got a micro brawler or something. I have one, yes. (laughs) But there was a period of time. Let's say we're getting like to 2006, 2008, okay? Maven's out of WWF and he's taken indie bookings. And he may have been, like, begrudgingly taking indie bookings. Mm-hmm. And was maybe charging promoters a lot of money. And maybe no-showing events. <laughs> and then he had maybe about a 10-year stretch where he was, like, trying to get into acting. And you could find the videos of it out there, but he was working on, like, whatever, like, the home shopping network equivalent was. And he was doing everything that he could to kind of get away from his time in wrestling. 
And you'd have to thank uh, Hawkins and Broski for kind of bringing them back into into wrestling again. Yes, thank God for Hawkins and Broski. It's all now, about that music. It's all about that theme song. However it goes. This whole podcast is just going to turn into us just poorly singing along. Like, Well, AEW Dark is just Taz poorly singing along to everyone's theme songs on there. So if we could be as good as AEW Dark commentary, that's that's a good thing to be. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to be as good as Taz, though. Exactly. So, hey, Adam, let's get into some stuff that we... Uh, want to talk about from the last seven days in wrestling we might have teased some at the top of the show all right i i feel like you almost said likes and dislikes but i'll I'll i almost did yeah (laughs) i sensed it all right joe the first thing i want to talk about we might overlap a little bit on this but uh AEW this week we had the return of john moxley uh it was awesome because he still comes out uh, really pissed off at fans for some reason and just, like, shoving people around. Uh, he told a guy to go fuck himself on national television, which was awesome. Uh, he said the a great line, which is, these days all I drink is blood, which, ugh, he's going to have some bangers as soon as he comes back and starts wrestling. I saw a photograph of him, like, right before he took his time off and him last night, like a side-by-side comparison. And holy shit, he looks like a completely different person. Good for him. Uh, I'm glad that he's back. And just as a side note, fuck Ray Deadly. Ray Deadly can go fuck himself because he says that Mox owed the fans an apology last night. Fuck you, you irrelevant wannabe tough guy. Get fucked, go away. But nice to see John Moxley back. Are, are you me? <laughs> oh, we overlapped a lot on that one, didn't we? No, no, it's more so the rant on Ray Deadly. Oh, okay. Well, you, you're rubbing off. <laughs> so I saw, like, somebody screen cap something from what he had said. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I already have this motherfucker muted and blocked. I go, I don't even want to see people talking about him on my timeline. So I went and, like, muted, like, bully, bully Ray, brother Ray, Ray Deadly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I hit them all, man. Like, I don't want to see nothing. And, like... If you don't realize that he's just trying to work people, like he's just saying like zig when people say zag just to get a rise out of people. If you haven't figured it out by now, like, I don't know, man, like he's playing like he's work. He's working an audience of one himself. So, you know, it's like the same thing with him. It's the same thing with like Disco Inferno. It's the same thing with Mark Madden. It's all of these dopey people that haven't been relevant in wrestling ever or since the 90s, and they're grasping at some sort of relevancy because they'll, with the amount of people being hired in the world of professional wrestling, the tons of places that you can get jobs in professional wrestling, and these people can't get hired by anyone, mm-hmm. what does that say about them? They're just holding out for the right spot. That's all. That's right. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> um, I think, and again, I, I believe me, I don't want to belabor the point of Ray Deadly, but I think I, and someone can correct me on this, but he had pitched on his stupid radio show months ago. Like it was, and I say months ago, it was like right after Brody passed, he had pitched an idea on there that he should come into AEW to be the leader of the Dark Order and to become the leader of the Dark Order. He wrestles each member of the Dark Order and beats them all and then becomes the leader of the Dark Order. And I'm like, that's like the Bob Holly thing. Well, what should we do? It's like, 
I, I beat everyone's ass and I win everyone's <laughs> title. Okay, great. You're a 55-year-old man who is barely mobile and haven't drawn a dime in the business and can't get over without saying like something racist or homophobic or sexist. So let's go. Come on. <laughs> Anyways, back to Moxley. You want to talk about that? <laughs> I'm glad. He, so I'm glad he's looking good. I'm surprised. I knew he was going to be wrestling at the GCW show this upcoming Sunday. I didn't think he'd be wrestling in AEW so quickly, uh, but it's on Rampage and it's against Ethan Page. Yeah. And uh, not to say that Moxley is in any sort of like, I'm on so many steroids, I have an extra back Triple H. <laughs> but if you want to give him a nice, easy uh, match that'll get crowd reactions without having to really exert yourself a bunch, Ethan Page is like at the top of the list of the guys you want to pick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I said, it was good to see him back. Good to see that the fire's still there. You know, Buddy's looking super healthy, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, and again, one day at a time, hopefully whatever the support system that may have uh, slipped through last time keeps a little tighter leash on him. Hopefully in those 90 days that he's been gone, he's gotten the training or information or tools to be able to prevent stuff like this in the future for him, right? Yeah. Uh, so I teased this at the beginning of the show, and uh, it is the discussion of Walter's name change. <laughs> so it's nothing new that the World Wrestling Entertainment changes people's names. Now, typically, they'll change someone's name, like, immediately when they get hired. Like, obviously not immediately when they get hired. You know, Kevin Steen didn't become Kevin Owens until he debuted on TV, right? Mm-hmm. It's not like he was Kevin Owen or Kevin Steen on TV for two years. And then they just all of a sudden change his name to Kevin Owens. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not any different of them taking someone like Biggie Langston and just changing him to Biggie or Antonio Cesaro just becomes Cesaro. Right. This sure. is things that WWE does. Um, and everyone kind of like, oh, it's so stupid to change his name from Walter to Gunther Stark, right? Now, when you go to World Wrestling Entertainment and they pick a new name for you, you are involved in that process. Typically, they come to you for your ideas first, and typically they get shot down. But <laughs> usually, if you ha- at least like it is a collaborative process, um, so one would assume that Walter, you know, had a hand in picking the name that he did. And as I joked at the beginning of the show of, you know, usually when you pick someone's name, you're going to run it through some sort of search engine or something uh, before you go ahead and spend money and time and lawyers fees and so forth to trademark someone's name. Um, and then I see a lot of people online. I meant aforementioned Disco Inferno. And the Road Dog's another one, and Disco Inferno's another one, and all these dopey people. And even the Hurricane is like, when I debuted in WWE, the first day I was in, they took away my name, they took away my music, they took away this, they took away that, and somehow I was able to manage. Finn Balor even chimes in. When they changed my name at first, everyone hated it, and now they love it. And I'm like, eh, people didn't hate it. You weren't. Fergal Devitt or Prince Devitt on TV for two years and then all of a sudden just had a new name for no reason. But with (laughs) all of these examples that everyone else is using, you know what the big difference between those names Mm 
and the name they picked for Walter is? Hmm, I cannot see what you're going with here. <laughs> okay, the Hurricane, Finn Balor, uh, Kevin Owens, Antonio Cesaro, Big E Langston. None of these were names of top-ranking U-boat captains for the Nazis during World War II. <laughs> And it's and I joked before and I said when I put Ben Roethlisberger's name in it was the first thing that came up uh, in the search not him being a football player but all the horrible things that he did allegedly horrible horrible things that he's done allegedly well but when you put that name into a search engine the first thing that came up was that he was a U-boat captain for the Nazis during World War II and now it looks like they're just gonna go with Gunther and I'm like okay whatever. They still took a guy who was established as a one-named person on TV for two-plus years, and now they're just changing him to a different one-named person with no explanation. And everyone else is like, oh, now that it's not Gunther Stark, are we okay with it? (laughs) You still tried to trademark and name a guy after a Nazi. (laughs) You tried. You tried real hard. And I saw a lot of other people say online that this is proof that bullying works. (laughs) and uh you know they did release the copyright or the trademark that they had on it um i'm just gonna say if you want to be proactive and kind of scoop world wrestling entertainment a little bit uh go online and like do some history research on world war one world war two vietnam maybe and look up like some of the greatest like atrocities and horrible things that happened in world history and don't go with, like, the first name, but go with, like, the second and third and fourth names and just copyright them just in case and trademark them just in case that World Wrestling Entertainment decides to sign your favorite independent wrestler and name them after, like, Hitler's childhood best friend. <laughs> just because. You know, yeah. that was the name. And I'll at least I'll end it with this and say... I would like to... I don't know Walter. I've never met Walter. I'm sure he's a, an affable fella. Um, what if, Adam, he knew that Gunther Stark was a U-boat captain for the Nazis during World War II and pitched that name seemingly at the last minute, knowing that World Wrestling Entertainment wouldn't have time to do their research, you know, typing the name into a search engine. <laughs> Extensive the, research. Right. In in the event, knowing that it would cause such an outrage and such discuss, discussion that World Wrestling Entertainment would decide not to choose that name. Like it was this yeah. Machiavellian thing that like, I'll pick the worst secret name that I can. And then there'll be such backlash. They'll just let me keep my old name. He was trying to do like a producer's gimmick here. Yes. <laughs> yeah, because here's the thing about the, the Gunter Stark. Like, all right, Stark on its own is like a perfectly reasonable NXT last name. Like, I'm shocked that it hasn't been used already. There's you know, Zoe because Starks, plural. Yeah, exactly. Like, the, it's it's ripped from, like, Tony Stark. It's got, like, it's very short and easy to spell, which fits their fan base. And, and Gunter on its own, you know, it is what it is. It's an, 
rather ethnic sounding name. It's not Jim or Bob or whatever. But like it, there's no chance that there's just a coincidence that the combination of Gunther and Stark was like, oh, shit, we didn't realize what would happen if we put those two names together. So so I absolutely believe that somebody's a fan of Nazis. I don't know who it is. I like the idea of Walter suggesting it as a rib or as a way to get out of having his name changed. But I think this is the biggest glaring oversight of a lack of Googling since uh, the submission sorority. (laughs) Well, related but unrelated to that, um, Saray now getting a Sailor Moon gimmick. And a giant like medallion that her grandmother gave her that looks Uh like it's like three (laughs) dollars. And Joe, unrelated but related, fuck you. I watched NXT and I only saw the sleepy girl for like two seconds. She didn't have a match. Yeah, well, she had a match last week. She was all tuckered out. She was sleeping on the top of lockers this week, right? <laughs> yeah, I went looking for her, and oh, okay, we're talking about it. Okay, <laughs> that's what we do during the discussion period. There's no rules, Joe. Okay, did you watch all of NXT this week? All right, it was on my DVR, and I went from the beginning to the end, but my levels of paying attention varied. Okay, I'm I'm pretty sure this was the opening segment, if my memory serves me correctly. L.A. Night, the L.A. Night segment. I oh my it. God, it was so awesome! <laughs> I don't know about that. Because <laughs> it was so bad. I mean, I mean, wait a minute. Hang on, <laughs> definitely not a bit. Um, You're just a silly boy doing a silly bet. The fact that it took Vince and Bruce taking over for them to be just like, yeah, fuck it, he's Stone Cold in the Rock, whatever, you know? <laughs> like, why even bother hiding it? Yeah. And like now. He's like the de facto number one baby face in NXT is so funny. It's 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 borderline hilarious. And it might end up being like the best thing that Bruce and Vince have ever done. <laughs> and this could be the thing that saves NXT two point glow. Oh, I don't know about that. that. That's going a little bit too far, but I, I'm interested to see how, speaking of bits, like the, whoever's in charge of pushing LA Knight, I'm excited to see how far it's going to go. It's Bruce. I sent Bruce a, uh, well, I was going to send him uh, a, a, a six pack of uh, full sugar Coke and some stonewashed denim jeans, but he's on a diet. He's working out now, so I can't. <laughs> All right. Uh only other thing I'll say, and I won't, uh, I won't beat a dead horse on this one, Joe. But I feel like I, I would be remiss, I would be negligent if I didn't bring this up on the podcast. And that is the fact that we got the return of the ECW television title this weekend, Joe, when mm. Broski defeated Rhino, won the title, and then the next night. Definitely not out of fear of a cease and desist. Uh, He threw it in a garbage can. But for one day, for almost 24 hours, we had the return of the original ECW by an ECW original. And uh, that makes me happy. So uh, ECW television title brought back for one day. The heart and soul of ECW. Yes. Everybody knows that that TV title was the workers title. The work rate match title. And I'll I'll give you the floor uh, as well if you would like to, Adam. If you are so bold, um, would you like to defend the uh, real thing that happened at Gabby's lair with uh, Broski and Janella? Uh, well, full disclosure, I did not watch it yet. Um, I kind of lived vicariously through your description of what you saw in the group chat, and uh, 
also what I heard on Z True and like some of the other podcasts. But I believe just based on what I heard, uh, Joey Janela viciously attacked Broski at a storage locker place at Super Gabby's place. And it may have broken Broski's foot. Uh, there was actually like a incident where Janela ran over uh, Cardona's foot. And uh, I am very surprised that Broski hasn't, uh, you know, sought legal action. But you know what? He'll settle it in the ring at uh, Hammerstein at a show I will definitely pay for and not watch on my laptop. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, it wasn't very good. <laughs> well, we all know that you are the keeper, uh, like the last line of like critiquing when it comes to wrestling actors inside the wrestling actor studio with Joe Spokesto. <laughs> um. I'll, and again, I'll say this, and I think I did share this with you, and I may have sh- shared this with many other people as well. It was too overproduced for a Broski video and too underproduced for a John Space Carlo video. <laughs> um, I don't buy for a second that Broski, who's like a legit six foot two, six foot three, and maybe definitely 250 pounds, would take a back step from someone the size of Joey Janela. Yeah. And uh, Broski's foot got so hurt because um, they ran over someone else's foot and maybe it's phantom pain that he's feeling <laughs> because it's not like I was tr- like watching this like this a Pruder film looking for like shots of it or whatever. But in the thing, Broski is very clearly wearing all black vans. And the foot that they show an extreme close-up being backed over or run over is wearing checkerboard vans. I don't know. Like, you can have a continuity person say, like, hey, let's make sure it's the same shoe. <laughs> I don't know. Um, good I luck, also, guys. That's all I could say. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, I find it difficult to lend any credibility to Joey Janela, like, physically beating up really anybody. You know? Because right. he's, like... What four foot eleven? But uh, that's he's just... like he's like uh, five eight five nine maybe. Uh, what is he? Is he lifting? Is he wearing lifts in his shoes? Maybe. <laughs> you just want to like tussle his hair and say it'll be okay, little guy. <laughs> yeah, but uh, listen, good luck. You know they're trying. Everyone's working hard uh, to you know have that Hammerstein show be a success. And uh, they keep invoking the spirit and the imagery and the things of ECW and so forth. And I don't know, I think Ring of Honor ran like three times the amount of shows that ECW ran there. Yeah. Um, and, you well, know, sometimes it's good. Well for yeah. And sometimes it's good to have your own identity. What do I know? Hmm. So is that all you want to talk about? I was just going to say, you know what, speaking of uh, super shows, uh, a lot better than GCW, uh, there's another show that is just becoming more and more stacked by the day, and that is the AIW show on February 11th. They just announced Swoggle today. Uh, Yeah, he's apparently apparently flying himself in to do commentary. (laughs) Awesome. Allegedly. Um. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, you know, we could talk about it here, right? Yeah, there's a lot of names on that show. Yeah, so it was while we were recording last week that they officially announced um, for the show 
it was going to be Wes Barkley taking on Broski and Josh Bishop taking on uh, Brian Myers on the show. Oh, Stiffy McGee, freaking Dodge and Broski. All right. Well, Wes made the uh, challenge initially. And uh, like I said, it's, you know, it doesn't it doesn't take a uh, rocket science or a brain surgeon to figure out what's going on with all this. And I'm all for it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Toy Hio is the next day. And a lot of these uh, folks that are on this are going to be at Toy Hio the next day. Cleveland's only like a six hour drive and change. Getting a lot of people saying like, hey, Joe, you should go. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, I'm, I, I want to go, you know, we're coming up on two years since the pandemic and outside of like the LVAC shows, most of which were outside and one was indoors over the last two years. I haven't done a lot of wrestling, you know, um, and I know, Adam, you um, you're probably going right. Well, I have February 11th and the 12th requested and approved off from work. Uh, and that's as far as I've gone into the, the planning. Cause, uh, nobody seems to want to go. Okay. Uh, so if you're listening to this and you're in our neck of the woods, you know, I'm sure. And you're not like a rapist or a serial murderer or, you know, whatever, um, you know, get in touch with Adam because sadly I'm not going to, I'm not going to go. Oh, um, oh. we could start with by saying, like this earlier in the day uh, that these announcements were made, um, the World Health Organiza- Organization and like the CDC put out their map of like, you know, the, you have your colors of like how risky it is. And I think there's like a blue spot in Nebraska that's okay. <laughs> and the rest of the United States is just all red, right? Yeah. Um, so that's a big, you know, literal red flag, uh, for me. And, uh, I've been having some, you know, issues the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, I may have mentioned it here. I may have mentioned it on, uh, Longbox Heroes After Dark, but I've been having some issues with my breathing. Nothing serious, but maybe about three weeks ago, I had a scare where my temperature got up to like 101 and I went and I got a COVID test and I... It was right before, it was like, yeah, so it was like three weeks ago because it was right before the LVAC show, right? Yeah. Um, so I went, I got a test, but I still wasn't feeling great, right? Mm. Um, and I was having some real serious problems with my breathing um, that I was really like just struggling to catch my breath, like literally doing anything. Um, I've been having like almost a constant chest pain for like the last like month. And uh, last Wednesday... Um, we had a, a friend of the family pass away and the viewing for them was at a church. Um, and when I went to the church, like, even though I had a mask on just like the incense and the mustiness inside, it's an old church, right? Mm -hmm. Like literally almost knocked me on my ass. Um, and then that night into the next morning, like I literally couldn't breathe. Like my throat felt like it was closing up. Um, it pained me to breathe um and it was just like that those things are just knocking me on me my ass right now and i can't rationalize being in a car for six hours going to a wrestling show you know and again it's going to be close quarters because it is at the Odeon. it's not a huge place there's going to be a ton of people there yeah 
staying in a hotel, which again, poor circulation. Who knows what the fuck goes on in this in a hotel? <laughs> then going to the toy show the next day again, indoors, lots of people. I'm sure it's I know it's a big space, but still. And then being in a car for another six hours to come home, I'm gonna be dead. You know what yeah. I mean? Like I'm going to be the wet blanket on that trip. And then like and then going to like the after party in between the shows. You know what I mean? So like I'm going to be the one that's like, I need to go outside and get my breath. I can't go to the, ho- I, you know what I mean? I can't do this. I can't do that because of just like the, the way that like things are physically working against me right now. And it you. sucks because I really want to go to the show. Um, It looks awesome. And it looks like it would be a great time, but I can't do that to myself. I can't do that to anyone that I would be going with, hanging around with. And then I can't do that to my family to come home. Yeah. You know, because like if I'm gone for two days, I would want to quarantine. I would want to like be as safe and like, God forbid, I got my kids sick or my wife sick um, because I wanted to go and fucking hang out and watch wrestling, you know, for two days. Yeah. No, I'm you. just trying to be responsible is all. It, it's funny because like the last AIW show that I went to or the only AIW show I went to in the Toy Hio was like over the summer and like I look back at that the actual toy show like I mentioned on the pod you know you are like asked to crotch with everybody like there's right. no room in that place and myself included uh nobody was wearing a mask there was not a single person in that place wearing a mask because at the time like covid was over (laughs) you know like in our minds it was like everything was back to normal um but it's just funny like if i if i were to go and it honestly it's not looking like i'm going to but uh uh if i were to go yeah i'd have a mask staple gun to my face the whole time unless there was a beer in my mouth but uh at like the toy show 100 percent, there'd be a There'd be a mask on, but yeah, it sucks. I do want to go to the show, um, but yeah, it's not looking good. Maybe, maybe in the spring. Yeah, it's just, you know, like, as you mentioned, you know, the summer was looking good. I just couldn't get the time off. Um, October was looking good. You know, we did the, um, we did the LVAC show and I felt good. Like everything was okay. But just in the last like two months, man, like I can't be making plans like that, you know? Mm. Um, you know, we, well, well, it's just, yeah, I'm like, I'm just getting out of the way. I'm saying it now. The day will come, um, of me getting a chance to go out and do like the whole AIW experience, come out to Cleveland, hang out for the whole weekend. It's just, just not anytime soon. Like I I really can't. Yeah. Um, I will say this though. I do, you know what I mean? I do, um, have, uh, that time off. Uh, that weekend to uh, go to our family physician to like get some of this shit checked out to <laughs> see if there's not something more going on that I'm having these issues. So, you know, well, you're just old. That's your problem. Right. So that's the other thing. <laughs> I'm just old. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, that's the other thing. Like, I'm not one of these young kids who is like, hey, man, I'll just have like uh, a bang related heart issue and I'll be fine. <laughs> <you know? laughs> yeah. And I just want to let everybody know that despite like these traveling concerns, it is not going to get in the way of my and uh, Chuck's attempt to get those AIW tag team titles. Bulking season, this is our year. Oh, that's right. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, So I think that's everything for whatever talking points is, right? Yeah, whatever it was. 
right. All right. So let's get into this. Homework. Homework. It's an obligation you owe your family and yourself. Home, home, homework. Homework. It's an obligation you owe your family and yourself. All right. So we watched the show that I assigned, which was the November 6, 2021 Flying V Fights Back event. Uh, available on Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium, a.k.a. IndependentWrestling.tv. Um, if you did not get a chance to watch it and just want to get a little bit more insight on it than what Adam and I are going to discuss here, you can go to over to our friend Kevin Hellion's website, Masklibrary.com. He typically does a write-up on whatever the shows are that we assign for homework. Yeah. Um, so when you assigned this, I had mentioned that I was looking forward to checking it out, uh, partially because I do watch all of the Flying V uh, fights that are on Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium, but also because I had heard not a lot, but I had known that friend of the show, The Boar, was in the main event. And while I did not hear about what he did in the main event, I heard that he wasn't working babyface. So I was very much uh, looking forward to checking that out, but we will get to it. Um the one thing I will say before we get into the show is I feel like this was a much longer show than most Flying V fights. Like I, I maybe it's just uh, like a Mandela effect, but I feel like most Flying V fights are like an hour and a half, an hour twenty, and this one was two hours long with like seventy-five matches on it. Um, so it felt like a much longer show. And as far as commentary goes, it was perfectly fine, but hashtag not my Kevin. Right. Uh, so there's nine matches, a little over two hours. That's perfect for me. Um, I know Adam mentioned that some of the other Flying V shows were a little bit shorter. That's fine. Um, you know, two hours, a nice sweet spot for wrestling shows. Um, you also mentioned commentary, and it was done by Big Dust, who we'll get into a little bit later on, and Kevin Skiffington, uh, in addition to hashtag not my Kevin. Um, I will just say this. I was coming into the show ready to hate commentary. Mm-hmm. And commentary wasn't bad. I actually think that um, if he wasn't a shitty heel wrestling manager, Big Dust actually has like the voice and everything else to do commentary. Um, but I would say a huge problem of it was some matches, the commentary was mic'd so poorly that you couldn't hear it. Like, the crowd and the bumps in the ring were mic'd higher than commentary. Sometimes one guy would be closer to the mic than the other, so they'd be having... Con- like, and I, I watch the show with my headphones on, because a lot of times I want to make sure that, like, everything's in my head so I don't miss anything, you know? Yeah. Um, And there was a couple matches where, like, one guy was, like, super low on the mic, and the other guy was super high on the mic, and it wasn't like it was blowing out my eardrums, it was like... I could hear one person normally, and he's having a conversation with someone I can't hear at all. And I know Flying V does a lot of their own production, which is why it took two months for the show to show up on uh, Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium. They don't do like a live the tape sort of edit. They do stuff with it. Um, but that's definitely something that they should look into is, you know, make sure commentary can be heard. 
Yeah, and like the on-screen Chirons and the graphics for the belts and stuff like that, that looked really good. So, you know, kudos to them. Took a while for them to make it. But uh, you mentioned the audio issues. I don't know if this was present the entire show, but I noticed it like after intermission. So you'd have to tell me if you spotted this. But there was something in the top right-hand corner of hard cam that was obstructing the, the camera. It was almost mm. like the equivalent of like if you were to go take a picture and your finger was stuck over the lens. Interesting. Uh, if you go back and look at it, because it might have been on the top left corner as well, but just the way that the camera was focused, nobody was ever in the top left. But there were distinct times when people were climbing the far right turnbuckle and like they would be cut off by whatever it was obstructing the top right of the, the camera. So if you go back and look at it, it's there was it's hard to explain, but the top right corner was obstructed for at least the second half of the show. Right. OK, but let's go ahead and get into some of the matches. I'm not going to belabor uh, all of them, but I, I do want to get to the main event. But first off, we have Eel O'Neill, who I, I love the African-American horror story nickname versus Common MK. Uh, pretty decent opener. Lots of counter submission attempts. Common wins with some kind of leg lock bridge pin thingy. And after the match, there was a handshake. And Joe, the lights go out. The lights go out. Both men are laid out. Uh, and uh, basically, I believe Erica Lee and somebody else come out to check on the guys. But uh, we had some technical difficulties. The lights went out and our competitors are knocked out. So uh, this match, I don't want to nitpick too much on commentary because this was like the only um, match where I had some real issue with it. So uh, commentary spent as much time putting the wrestlers over as they did talking about how this was the ref's first match that he's <laughs> ever refed before. Um, they also mentioned that the there was a blood feud between Common MK and Eel O'Neal, and they didn't really work it like that. Yeah, and then they had, like, the handshake. and Yeah, so the, the commentary kept putting over how this was a blood feud, and it was just, like, wrestled like a regular match. Um, I think Eel O'Neal is great. Uh, he is one of many people on this show that you're going to see do huge things in like the next three to five years. Um, just the style, the presence, the way that he kind of gets in and out of stuff. Um, he has a smoothness that is just going to get better as he wrestles more. I think um, to paraphrase Jr. from beyond the mat, uh, he puts on like 20 extra pounds of muscle and the world's going to be this guy's oyster. Now, you mentioned the finish, which was like a weird Indian deathlock pin thing. Mm. So the match is kind of like worked almost like 80% Eel O'Neal, 20% Common MK. Common MK gets a couple hope spots here and there, but the match is practically controlled for the most part by Eel O'Neal. And then kind of like all of a sudden, the two guys just stop. And very slowly and carefully, Common MK puts Eel O'Neal into this hold, and that's the finish. And I'm like, okay, that finish kind of sucked, but what are you going to do? Um, and then, of course, as Adam mentioned, the lights go out, the lights go out. They do a little extra effect with it during uh, the home version. I wonder how that played for the live audience. All right, so next up we have the grimy Scots, uh, Robbie and Rory, I assume, versus Old Man Youngboy and Mikey Banker. 
Um, Mikey Banker is this like big boy who doesn't really do a lot of big boy offense. And old man is a bald guy in black tights. Uh, the standout for me in this match were the grimy Scots. As I joked there, the kind of like the Highlanders, you know, just, uh, vulgar Scotsmen who spit in their hands and bite their opponents. And there was lots of comedy spots of, you know, the, the grimy Scots showing what's under their kilts and, uh, the, the Scots end up winning with the shut your gob clothesline. There was a lot of standing and waiting for the next guy to land his spot in this match, you know? So it was like, Hey, it's your turn. Go ahead and do your thing. I'll stand here and wait for my turn to jump in. Yeah. This is sometimes where I feel bad watching indie wrestling sometimes. And I don't know who listens to this or who listens to this, who knows people on these shows. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't like this match. Um, the grimy Scots gimmick of they're going to show you what's under their kilts. And if you do it in a way where the camera can't see that works, if you do which it in a way did. where you don't, huh? I said, which they did. They did. Okay. Not every, not every time. All right. Well, there was the big spot where they both like old man, yeah. young boy and banker reacted to it. Yeah. Or like, you know, you make sure you're, you don't lose your kilt in the middle of the match. So we actually could see what's under it. Um, you might want to do that a little bit better, but I think this match could have just been scrubbed from the card. It added nothing. It was a nothing match, but it didn't take up a lot of my time. Yeah. That's the one thing you could say, regardless of any of the matches on the show, you know, some are better than others, but none of them were very long. Like even the ones that I really look forward to seeing weren't, weren't that long, you know? Yeah, Yeah. So, and again, not to get too far ahead of ourselves. So this match, uh, the first two matches, Uh, And the next match, all were, like, right around eight minutes, okay? Um, Next match is, like, 11. Next match is seven. Then we get, like, matches that go, like, nine to eight. And then the main event was, like, 12. Perfect. Yeah. Um, You know, like, when, like, the longest match is your main event at 12 minutes, I'm like, you guys are doing something right. Yeah. And, I, and I'm shocked. We'll get to it. I'm shocked that that main event went that long, but <laughs> I'm sure it was, I'm sure it was 15 to 20 on the sheet. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So next up we have Abby Jane versus pancakes versus Saul Esperanza. Um, Abby and pancakes, kind of the baby faces in this match working together initially against Saul. Saul's focusing on Abby's knee a lot. Pancakes went to like spin kick Saul, but Saul being the dastardly heel pulled Abby in the way. Uh, and then steals the victory. Saul wins via an octopus submission on pancakes. Uh, it was fine. I mean, I didn't really care for the match. I mean, there was nothing wrong with it, but nothing memorable. If okay. I didn't have my notes written down here, I wouldn't have remembered anything about it. Okay. Um, I think uh, pancakes and Abby Jane, I've seen a bunch of them over the last whatever. I think they've been wrestling just a hair over and maybe at the time of the taping of this, just right around a year. Mm-hmm. Um, they've come leaps and bounds from where they were at the beginnings of their career in a very short amount of time. And to do so during a pandemic, hopefully they've been safe. I know one or both of them had to cancel off a show this past weekend. But, you know, you can all you could do is all you could do. You know, if you get it, you got to be safe to everyone else. Um, Abby is going to be and has the potential to if she stays on track sticks with the right people, et cetera, uh, to maybe being one of the best baby faces in peril on the indies around. And that's a good spot to be in. Mm-hmm. Um, however, uh, based out of seeing this match, I do have my dream match when I book uh, the ad odds with wrestler when pod Van Dam does pod Van Dam pro. Okay. 
<laughs> and we start the 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 Monday Night Wars against. No, <laughs> no, I'm gonna have one offer match, okay? And that offer match is going to be the tag team of Arthur Arthur and you <laughs> taking on the team of Dom Garini and Saul Esperanza. Because <laughs> Saul, this hairdo, looked like a little Dom Garini. <laughs> All right, yeah, I can see that. Right, so it'd be you and Arthur who are of equal size, you know, equal carpentry skills, and Dom and his mini, you know. <laughs> That's the match I'm pitching for Pod Van Dam Pro. All right, hey, you know what? Just uh, as long as I hit the pay window, I'll be okay with that. And I didn't say what you thought I was going to say there. I changed it at the last minute. All right, good. <laughs> All right, so next up we have, uh, I hope I pronounced this right, I apologize, Janai Kai. Yes. Janai Janai Kai versus Trisha Dora for the Pan-African Championship. And you know what? I did not take a lot of notes for this, and that's how you know that it's a really good match. Uh, I thought that this was probably the best match so far on the show. Both women are uh, really solid in the ring. This is the first match of the night where, like, the strikes actually look convincing and snug, and it doesn't look like, you know, just kind of slap fighting. Like, I don't know. This match stood out so far. Uh, Trish rolled up Kai for the pin, uh, or at least the ref assumed that the shoulders were down because the ref was practically on the other side of the ring doing the count, didn't bother to come around uh, and check the shoulders. But Trish retains. A uh, really good match. I liked it a lot. Motherfuck, same thing that I have to say. Uh, this was the first instance of it, but I forgot what the other match was, where it's like, well, this is the finish. Whether I'm near the shoulders or not, I know I have to count three. And yeah. I'm just like, God damn it, at least, like, have eye line, you know? Mm -hmm. Son of a bitch. Um, but, yes, I'm with you. I like this match a lot. I know Janai Kai has been getting, like, uh, a much higher profile in the indies. She's done a couple AEW darks. Her gimmick is the kick demon. And she's young. She's new. I mentioned before about Eel O'Neal. He's one of those guys that in, like, two to three years, three to five years, they're going to be huge on the indies. Jana or just huge, period. Janai Kai, same thing. Trisha Dora, same thing. She just has a great look. Uh, you know, her shit looks great in the ring. Her, like, her strikes are snug. Um, you know, nothing she does is wasted. Um, the, and again, I'll give you a, a bit of a critique. And I, and again, I hate doing this sort of thing. But Janai Kai's gimmick is the kick demon, okay? And she's new. She's young. I'm prefacing it with that. And some of her kicks were like, spot on, look like killer stuff, but like for every five kicks that were on point, one would just be like a little like, eh, okay, eh, a little daylight, maybe didn't hit as hard as the other five that you did. And I get it, but eventually she's going to figure it out and she's going to say, okay, when I kick this way, it works better. I don't work as good on this one. I'm either going to work to make that one better or I'm going to take that kick out of my repertoire. Mm-hmm. And that's just something you learn as you start wrestling more. Doesn't detract from it, but I'm just like, those five were awesome. That one was, like, less than awesome. Yeah. But as of that point, probably best match of the night so far. Yes. Uh, next up, we have TJ Sykes versus Jordan Blade. Not much on this. I didn't really care for this match, to be honest with you. Back and forth match. Lots of cheating from TJ. Uh, eventually, Jordan Blade taps out from an ankle lock. And then, Joe, the lights go out. The lights go out. 
This time, Jordan Blade is taken out, which uh, maybe if I had any brain, I would be like, oh, why weren't they both taken out? But for whatever reason, I own like, OK, Jordan Blade was taken out and Erica Lee comes out once again to help. And me being the idiot, I, I wrote down at this point, oh, she's behind it all. She's the mastermind behind uh, uh, this freaking uh, attack, whatever. Um, but yeah, anyways, another attack. So-so match. So, I, I like this match. Um, like I said, it wasn't my favorite, but I definitely wouldn't say so-so. Um, I've seen Jordan Blade before. She's really good. Um, they built the match around her ankle lock. Perfect. Simple story. Easy to understand. You don't need to do a lot of explaining with it. Uh, TJ Sykes comes out. I'm like, I like his look. He's got good presence. He's got good poise. He looks like he's a big boy. And I'm like, oh. And, I, and again, I, like I literally had in my notes, I'm like, Looks like a big boy. Like to see him next to the boar. <laughs> Just because I know the boar is a big boy. Um, but yeah, like I said, this match, uh, like I said, it, this match was good. Um, the lights going out stuff, of course, you're building a story. And it was at this point where it was just like, okay, we've had it happen twice. Like, I wonder if we're going to have a payoff here or this is going to be like a continuing storyline that's going to be like, we're not going to get a resolution here. You know, I was just I was like kind of really questioning. With as little as Flying V runs, you know, normally in a perfect world, and then with everything being as it is with the pandemic, like, I wanted to pay off tonight, you know? Yeah. I wanted to know, at the very least, who was behind it, so I, I didn't want to have to wait four months, you know? Plus, if I missed the live broadcast of the Flying V, I didn't want to have to wait another two months after it airs, you know? Sure. All right, so next up we have, like, a tag team match that ends up being turned into uh, a six-man tag, but the young boys of Jet Jagori, yes. uh, Yoya, and Josh Fuller versus Killian McMurphy and Big Dust. The latter team is forced to find a third partner. Uh, I hope you're a fan of Saul Esperanza, a.k.a. Mini Dom Garini. Uh, he is the person to come out. Funny banana man, as they call him, and it is basically a six man tag. Um, I don't know. Aside from you now pointing out that Saul looks like Dom, I didn't really see anything in Saul the first time that warranted wanting to see him a second time, but here we are. Uh, the winner of this match gets $20 or maybe a dollar. I don't know, it changed. Um, young boys all legit look like they're very, very young. Uh, Killian to me looked very familiar. I was like, where do I know this guy from? And it's because he was the person that Avery Good wrestled in the ECWA Super 8 tournament when Avery had his kerfuffle with his ankle. So that's where he, uh, where he looks familiar. Um, oh, and this is also where I noticed whatever was up with the hard right cam, uh, corner, but, uh. Saul ends up suckering one of the young boys in for the roll-up. So, another win for Saul. Um, this match was fine. A mm. uh, lot of ha-ha in this match, which mostly did not work for me, dog. Um, I feel as though a lot of people were kind of miscast in this match. And I also feel as though maybe there was something else that was supposed to happen with this match. Or maybe there was supposed to be someone else in this match. Because it seemed as though, like, no one knew what the story of the match was. As Adam mentioned, like, was uh, was uh, Saul Esperanza getting a dollar or $20? Was this supposed to be initially a six-man? And then it just, they had to find a mystery person? Or was it a tag team match that they just happened to have a third wrestler in his gear come out with them? 
and then they decide to make it a six-man match and then get a random person who already wrestled on the show on there. They do a bunch of comedy spots. I know Big Dust used to be a wrestler, and he's mostly a manager. The couple times that I've seen him on the Camp Leapfrog shows where he does stuff in the ring, um, it feels very forced, and it feels very lame. Like I said, he was really strong in commentary. He should stick to that. Killian McMurphy, I think, has a good look. He just needs a thing to help him break out and get to that next level. And sadly, I don't think this match was it. And also, to cast Jet Jagori as a babyface in this match was a bad decision. He is just the type of person that you look at and you want to punch him in the face. <laughs> um, so he did a great job of getting the crowd behind him, but I think he was just miscast in this match as a babyface. Yeah. All right, next up, King Crab versus Mach 10. And, Joe, you know what? If you are a fan of slow motion arm drag counters, this match is for you. Mach 10 ends up winning with a 450 splash. Uh, yeah, I like both these guys a lot. Um, I definitely feel as though they're maybe an off night. Maybe they're just chemistry was off this night. I've seen them both have good matches. Um, I think Mach 10 is a fantastic high flyer. Uh, I think the King Crab stuff is great. Uh, I would like that he's not wrestling with a top anymore, so you can see how kind of big that he actually is, you know? Mm. Um, but yeah, there was just something about this match where, like, they didn't click. And again, it wasn't a bad match. It just wasn't either guy's best effort that I've seen them have. Yeah. All right. So next up, we have Erica Lee versus Wheeler Yuta. Uh, I like this match a lot. I don't think it's I'm going out on a limb by saying that Wheeler Yuta is really, really good. Uh, Erica Lee is also good. And Wheeler kind of elevates it, like brings out the best of her. Heel Wheeler is a blast when he's just arguing with the ref. Um, Erica, like I said, holds her own. Like she doesn't look like Wheeler's carrying him or carrying her. I apologize. Um, I like the spot where Wheeler is going to climb the top rope and the ref, as most refs do, is starting to give him the five count. And it's kind of spooking Wheeler Yuta where he's, you know, kind of being apprehensive about climbing the top rope. You'd have to see it to, to, uh, to know what I'm talking about. Anyways, Wheeler wins with the seatbelt roll up. A uh, lot of roll-up wins tonight, I've noticed. Uh, I, I made a note there. Um, but afterwards, something else happens. But if you want to talk about that, the match itself before I do that. Uh, this was the best match on the show. Um, obviously, Erica is someone who is very young, very much on the come-up. And the fact that she was able to hang with and kind of appear to be the equal of someone like Yuta who, again, it's not like he's some sort of world-traveled vet. He's been wrestling maybe like five or six years, but he's a former Jerry TV champion. He's currently a national televised wrestling star, and he is maybe, when it comes to technical stuff, one of the smoothest motherfuckers you'll ever see in your life. Mm -hmm. Holy shit. The way he moves around the ring, the way that he gets in and out of stuff, like, he makes it look effortless. And he's another one who's in a great position, of course. Have like I don't think they ever put up the thing that like Wheeler Yuta is all elite, but he's been there long enough. Um, and he's with Chuck, he's with OC, he's with Trent, he's with Chris. He's in a fantastic spot. I still get hot about the fact that they never let him get a pinfall victory over Matt Hardy. Fuck that. <laughs> um, but like the fact that Eric was able to hang and look to be an equal, if not you know, just as good as maybe a little bit better 
then Wheeler, I thought, says a lot for her as well. She's another one who, like, you know, I'll say, and I preface every wrestler with this. As long as they don't, like, fuck up or something, mm-hmm. or, like, have some sort of horrible thing come out about them as we're recording the show, um, <laughs> you know, they're going to do great, I think. Yeah. All right. So, obviously, Wheeler Yuta gets the win. And the lights go out! The lights go out! Erica isn't taken out. Now, Joe, I want to pause it right here, and I want to say... Going into this viewing, what I knew about the end of this is I knew that the boar was working as a heel, and I just saw those great photos that he was sharing with, like, the red backdrop of, like, his entrance. So that's all I knew. Um, But when they have basically the lights going out and it's revealed that it's the fucking boar, dude, like – I, I know a lot of times I might exaggerate and just be like, oh, the boar should beat everybody. But like, and he should. But like, I was so pumped when it was revealed that he was behind or partially behind or he's the heavy for the guy who is behind what's been going on all night. You have the boar coming out to like new theme music, special graphics. Like everybody else on the show had the same Chiron graphics, but like the boars was different. You know, like, just to make him stand out, like, big-time feel, big-time bore. And it turns out that it's, like, him and TJ Sykes who have decided that Flying V has too many superheroes and that Flying V needs some villains. Uh, And, like, obviously the baby faces come out and, like, Jordan Blade comes out. There's a brawl and, you know, like, everybody's on the ramp and the show goes off the air and blah, blah, blah. Uh, but just the, the the specialness of it being like, holy shit, Boar's going to kill all of you. And the way he was presented as a top guy, uh, like, I was just really proud for him. And, like, I popped as a Boar mark. Like, I loved all of that. Um, if I had to nitpick, I would say TJ Sykes didn't do a great job of getting over. Like I like the line of, Hey, there's a lot of superheroes and we need villains. Uh, I feel like he left a little bit to be desired as the mouthpiece of that, uh, that duo. Uh-huh. Uh, but uh, I-, I thought the moment overshadowed that, that lacking. Uh, I'm a, I'm in agreement with you on all the stuff that you said, but uh, I'll have to reserve my comments until after the match. Okay. Um, so we basically, let's see. Oh, I also have in here, we had basically Boar and Erica Lee kind of in a little bit of confrontation. Is this my fault? Cause I put them head to head in the gender neutral monarch. Uh, I'll blame you. Okay. Fair enough. All right. So Joe, I, I, I forgot, like, as I'm gushing over this, like boar attack, uh, I forgot that there's a the main event here. So like uh, there is Boar versus world famous CB. I think it should be world famous Boar versus world famous CB. But uh, Boar's presented like an unkillable monster initially. Like he he can't be taken off of his feet. Uh, commentary puts over just how much he hates small wrestlers, which is a shoot, brother. <laughs> uh, CB keeps attempting to suplex the boar, uh, never really has the strength to do it until eventually he does, and it's presented like Hogan slamming Andre. Uh, boar hits a top rope elbow, which was impressive. Um, CB ends up winning with like a clothesline or a punch. Uh, it's a, it's the Shote. It's a palm strike that was taught to him by Jushin Liger. Okay. Uh, not great for like, as far as like myself coming in as a layman, like if you're trying to present your show to people who don't know the history and everything like that, 
Uh, I, I don't like how that was portrayed. Um, and then basically, I'm sorry, this is when Sykes came out, declares war on Flying V. The roster hits the stage and they go off the air. Okay. I like this match a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, it's building toward the bigger story of everything. Uh, the only person who loves having a little guy suplex the big guy spot in their match is OC, who ha- who loves the little guy body slims the big guy spot in all his matches. Hmm. Uh, I thought Boar looked great. I thought CB looked great. Uh, I like both of these guys, uh, but only one of these guys is someone that I message on a regular basis. So I was very sad that Boar did not win the match. Um and you mention, of course, and how the boar is presented. And again, obviously, it was kind of for the save. But, you know, uh, CB also had, like, the similar graphics and light show and everything else for this. And I think it was, and again, I, I would not take anything away from the boar. But uh, I would say that uh, it was the main event. So the two main event competitors got, like, the special light show and the special graphics and the everything else like that. And then you also said that uh, TJ and the boar are now... Uh, you know, they're the two crusading against like all the superheroes and the baby faces and whatever it is in Flying V. But, but Adam, I know that they're not. I know there's a third person. Do you want to know why I know there's a third person? Why is that? Because the music that played at the end when the lights flickered again. Okay, I didn't catch this. Oh, I caught it. And I'll just say this. It's another big boy. It's another guy who has red and black in his gear as well. Um, and uh, again, very familiar music. Maybe not. Maybe you've listened to a recent episode of Hit My Music and you heard this person talk about their music influence. Maybe. You know, this mm-hmm. is maybe a dream come true for the board to get a chance to stand alongside this man and say all glory in the future. <laughs> But again, as soon as I heard that music, I knew he wasn't coming out because I knew he wasn't on the show. Mm. But I think he might have originally been booked and there might have been some COVID concerns and so on and so forth. He might and, be on the graphic for the show on Kevin Hellion's homework right up. OK. <laughs> yeah. Um, right. So I, get, I think he was supposed to be on the show and for whatever reasons. But the fact that they played his music at the end and I'm like, oh. <gasps> Uh, See, that's the thing. I, I probably either didn't hear the music or didn't rec- know it enough to recognize it. You know? Yeah, I know. I know my. I know my people's music. You know? Yeah. Fair enough. Now, Joe, you don't think that I would watch a boar match without busting out the boar bump barometer, do you? <laughs> Not unlike uh, Santino Morella's honkometer. No, my honkadonkometer. Uh, um, now, here's the thing, Joe, just to for the people who are not familiar with the very scientific bore bump barometer, what the barometer does is it measures how many times and in what manner the bore leaves his feet during a match. Now, to be clear, there are many different ways somebody can leave their feet during a match. There is what I like to call a self-imposed leaving of your feet, meaning you did it on your own volition, such as a pin attempt or the pre-match gore that the board delivered. Uh, Now, when it comes to self-imposed leaving of his feet, the board left his feet a total of six times. Now, there are also other scenarios accounted for in the board bump barometer. 
of being taken off your feet, but not quite in a bumping fashion. Like, let's say you're rolled up or you stumble and fall down to your knees. But in these scenarios, the boar left his feet a total of three times. Again, not violent bumps, but, you know, he had to go down to the mat and then get back up is what I'm saying. Now, for the final tally of the boar bump barometer, we are talking actual bumps, forcibly hitting or attacking the mat. Now, Joe, would you like to take a guess of how many times the boar bumped in this match? All right. Let me see if I can remember here. Now, we're count like, okay, so I guess what you're going to count is um, maybe he is the victim of an offensive maneuver, correct? That is correct. Okay. And I'll just throw in here. Um, uh, his test elbow looked spectacular as well. 100%. And um, I will just to let you know, I considered that elbow in the self-imposed right. hitting the mats. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I'm going to say he took two bumps in this match. Very close. He took a total of three bumps in the uh, entire match. Uh, there was a big suplex, right. a tornado DDT, and then the clothesline slash punch finish. The shote, the palm strike, yes. yes. So a total of three bumps, according to the very scientific <laughs> and official bore bump barometer. Because I, like I said, I knew we had the finish. I knew we had the suplex. That's why I was confident in two. Yeah. The 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 tornado DDT thing, like he bumped, but again, in my mind, I was like, well, he kind of more rolled with it than anything else. But I'll give you a bump. I'll give you. I uh, listen. You you're the scientist in this one. Yes. Again, I I that's why I try to preface that uh, this is completely. Uh, what am I looking for? Impartial. And uh, there's a rigorous screening process that that kind of analyzes the matches to make sure that uh, you know I am delivering accurate results and accurate information to everybody absolutely so what do we got to watch for next week since there's no pay-per-view this weekend all right joe so we talked about this a little bit at the beginning of the show uh when we were doing uh again i was about to say likes and dislikes when we were doing talking points <laughs> we uh might have talked a little bit about ecw and joe you're a huge fan of ecw right i am i love ecw yeah, you know sure. the the, the Raven and the Shane Douglas and the Sandman. Yeah, and the zombie and the CM Punk and, what? like, <laughs> the Kurt Angle, right? You love that era of ECW, right? Okay. <laughs> so, Joe, I want to watch a little bit of the ECW that made money. Okay. And we are going to watch the first two, at least according to the cock, episodes of ECW, WWECW, specifically season one, episode zero, which is like an episode of Monday Night Raw that is an ECW versus WWE to set up the one night stand pay-per-view, okay. as well as season one, episode one, which is the first actual episode of WWECW. How much time are we clocking in with this? We are looking at approximately two hours and ten minutes. Okay. Pete, it just because, it just sounded like it was going to be a lot. Yeah the uh, the episode of Raw or whatever it was is an hour twenty six, and the ECW is forty minutes. So this is if I go to ECW on Peacock. As you mentioned, it's season one episode zero and season one episode one. Correct. That is correct. 
Okay. Uh, June 7th, 2006, and June 13th, 2006. All right. All right. Because we're all fans of ECW. Right, right. These are dark days, Adam. I don't know what you're up to. <laughs> but homework's still happening. Yep. It's not dead yet. <laughs> so, hey, we got a lot of calls. Let's get into calls. Let's see what people have to talk about. Um, I know we posed last week. We asked, uh, who do you think are going to be the mystery people in the Rumble? Who the Forbidden Door people are? And then also, if you have any thoughts or feelings on us doing the uh, Rumble pool like we've done in years past. The at-odds Rumble opportunity. There you go. The at-odds Rumble opportunity. It feels like the last one was like 100 years ago. (laughs) All right. So let's get into calls. First call here from uh, Mr. Charlie Butters. Oh, Hey guys, it's Charlie Butters. I figured I'd give you a call. I haven't been able to listen in a couple weeks. I listened to last week's episode and all of a sudden there's no more likes and dislikes and you're yelling about people didn't pay attention to those episodes and I thought about it. And those episodes fell during a holiday. How dare you yell at people for celebrating holidays? What is wrong with you? Yeah, Joe. This is ridiculous. Anyway, uh, since the new year has come uh, and I have kicked myself off my own show, I still would like to do the At Odds uh, celebration lap uh, for winning the Gender Neutral Monarch Tournament. So Jayhawk and I will be appearing soon from what I've been told. Uh, I do not have an exact date, so sure everybody will be looking forward to that it'll be a very high rated episode mm-hmm. uh dan Housen will not be attending because he is busy working at a and w now so uh, it'll just be me and jayhawk and uh yeah i'm gonna talk about things that uh i liked in wrestling for the week no you won't and no maybe some stuff dislikes. i disliked i don't know we'll see <laughs> uh also uh, i enjoy your segments keeping me up with what's going on with ed because I just don't see enough of him in any Discord ever talking about the most ridiculous, asinine stuff ever. <laughs> also, rumor is he tweeted and nobody knew about it. <gasps> so that's that's out there now. So we'll see if you guys can figure out where it came from. All right. I will talk to you later. And, uh, yeah. Later, guys. Hmm. I have a lot of all right, there's a lot in there so first I will say when it comes to a certain discord all you got to do is mute it that's what I did uh, <laughs> second of all uh, yes I agree with uh, Mr. Butters how dare you Joe disrespecting holidays also I completely forgot to tell you that he, uh, Butters messaged me a couple weeks ago <laughs> asking when he could be on the show <laughs> so this is me just letting you know that that conversation happened uh, but yeah, uh, at some point, yeah, we got to get Butters and uh, Jayhawk on here to not talk about likes and dislikes because we gave all of you people ample time to voice your opinions and it's not our fault you didn't listen to those episodes. Right. It's not like the episode came out on like Christmas Eve or some shit, right? <laughs> exactly. And uh, listen, I listen to all the same podcasts that I listened to during the holidays. I just ignored my family. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's the reasonable thing. Listen, 
And sure, this is the the dirty show, but put the show on. Uh, you know, Christmas dinner, the family's <laughs> around the table, just like the old days where you'd put on the radio to listen to Jackie <laughs> Gleason or The Adventures of Zorro. You put on at odds with wrestling, and you get to hear everyone. Get everyone at the dinner table's impressions. Should they get rid of likes and dislikes? <laughs> you know, where were you on this day in wrestling history? All that shit. Yeah, you know? see, see what grandma thinks about the face of women's wrestling. The face? The face. <laughs> uh, so, um, yeah, so Butters actually reached out to me. Uh, he told me when he was good. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just a more thing of like when we could coordinate all four of us, like what's going to be a good Thursday for them, right? Yeah. Plus, I didn't know if there was like a blood feud with him and Jayhawk because I, <laughs> I didn't get the scoop on this, you know? Uh-huh. Uh huh. I didn't know if there was like a rocker situation, who put who through the barbershop window. I know that Jay Gold swooped in there in that power vacuum, and <laughs> it was all very confusing. Yeah. Uh, now, I'm pretty sure Butters is still like doing the editing and the producing of the show. No. Um, I just think he decided to take himself off as an on-air character. Gotcha. I will never do that to our listeners, just in case anybody was worried. I will never deprive you of what it is that I contribute. <laughs> and as for Ed, that he sent out a tweet. I know as of this discussion, okay, mm-hmm. um, he's deleted the Pod Van Ed Twitter account. That doesn't exist, right? Yeah, and again, that's not permanent. Like it doesn't right. have to be permanent. But uh, now he I, has a he has a burner that he hasn't tweeted from since April of last year. Mm-hmm. I'm okay. familiar. Back when when uh, the Pod Van Dam Twitter used to be his own, he still had this other one. And right, right, yeah. So I don't know what he tweeted out, but I I uh, I text with Ed on a regular basis. So I don't know. I get my I get my uh, full of Ed on a daily basis, and I'm okay with it. Now speaking of which, and I know we'll get to the pink button in a little bit. Last week, you let everybody know that the first number of Ed Cody's phone number was five. Uh, I think I'm ready for another number. If you're ready, all right. Did I say the first number was five? You did. Is that incorrect information? No, it was not incorrect information. Okay. So the next number is a six. All right. So five, six, everybody. Just enter that into your phones and we'll get there eventually. Eventually. (laughs) Yeah. All right. What do we got next? All right. Next call. Hey, it's Kevin Ford. Uh, If Broski is in the Rumble, maybe I'll call in and do my drunk uncle singing of Broski's chorus of his theme song. No promises, though. (laughs) Although I feel like this counts as a promise. Because I'll be a coward if I don't. Fuck! <laughs> That's true. You will be a coward. Uh, your drunk uncle version of Broski. Yeah. Um, I think even on major podcasts this week, somebody asked uh, during Q&A that if they ever went back to World Wrestling yep. Entertainment, would they be themselves uh, as they currently are, like name-wise, or would they go back to their World Wrestling Entertainment names? And Broski said that he would... Be, go back and be Zack Ryder, and I think he's going to go back and be Zack Ryder next Saturday for the Royal Rumble. Yeah, hundred percent. I, I'd be at this point, I'd be more surprised if he wasn't than if he was. Yeah, and I will just assume that that was Kevin's way of saying that he's down for the uh, at odds Rumble opportunity. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, let's keep going. Yep. Hey, boys. It is Tim, not the Tool Man. 
miss you guys, miss everybody. Um, I wanted to uh, call into the voicemail specifically because we're talking about, uh, you know, it's, it's sign pointing season. It's the Royal Rumble. And uh, with every good Royal Rumble comes a good opportunity. Oops. There's that word. There's that word again. Uh, to have a Royal Rumble without the at odds opportunity kind of feels, uh, feels, uh, weird to me. Uh, I feel like we should have the opportunity back. Not, not Charlotte the opportunity, but, you know, the actual, uh, that word again opportunity. Uh, so if it be in the cards, I'd love to see the at odds opportunity, the Royal Rumble opportunity back. Um, and as far as the forbidden door predictions, um, I don't have a prediction, but like I have an anti prediction. Like anyone but the three star general, the man who cured racism, Cody <laughs> Rhodes. Uh, everyone else, uh, everyone else I think could be on the table. Even Chris Jericho, but just not Cody. Please, not Cody. <laughs> Love you. Love the show. Love you all the time. Bye, guys. You know what? I, I just want to say right off the rip, uh, I, I really enjoyed hearing Tim call. Uh, I miss hearing Tim's voice along with Marcus on their various podcasts. And while Tim may be an illegitimate and phony A-show champion, <laughs> uh, I still miss hearing him talk about wrestling from a week-to-week basis. So uh, I hope to to get one of those podcasts back soon. So it was great to hear from Tim. Fake For champion. sure. Yeah. And I think Tim may have called in before it was officially said uh, by Dave Meltzer and I think confirmed by AEW that the person Forbidden Door or otherwise on the men's Royal Rumble is not going to be anyone from AEW. Oh. Um, you know, and I think Meltzer came right out and said, like, it's not, I don't know if you saw so Meltzer's like, uh, Cody's on dynamite tonight. will not be in the Royal Rumble. Neither will Mox. Neither will Jericho. Okay. Oh, to Mox which, isn't <laughs> right. To which punk replies, Hey Dave, you seem to know, am I in the rumble this next weekend? <laughs> And I think like Lance Storm and someone else is like, oh, could you let me know if I'm in the Rumble next weekend too? <laughs> uh, so everyone's having some fun with it. And I think they like AEW kind of like officially, unofficially said like none of our people are in talks, blah, blah. Nice. Um, and so it's, so it's going to be Okada. Yeah, it's going to be Okada. <laughs> it's going to be uh, fucking Ishii or someone <laughs> like that, you know? Oh, you know what it'll be? Uh, it'll be uh, Great Muda just to piss Ed off. Not that he watches the Royal Rumble or anything. And Tim brought it up, and I didn't get a chance to discuss it during talking points. I'm going to say this very quietly into the microphone in the hopes that no one hears me say this, and especially Adam, so that we can move on and there's no discussion about it, okay? Mm -hmm. I really liked Cody's promo on Dynamite this week. All right, all right. I, I I was laughing at something. I, I just saw a tweet that was like pretty funny. Oh, I didn't hear. Oh, what okay. Said, good, good. All right, moving all along. Right. Next call. Hey guys, Kevin here. Um, thanks for responding because I seem to forget over the course of the week what we're going to be talking about the next week. So, 
if you're not following at odds on Twitter, but you are listening to the show, you should give them a follow. It's very helpful. Hmm. All right. I am guessing I think Broski is the most likely person to be showing up at the Rumble as a Forbidden Door entrant. And I do agree that he would most likely be on there as Zack Ryder. My only other guess from Impact, because we already have the women's champion, maybe Moose. He has a certain size to him. He has uh, certain uh, issues that follow him around, which WWE apparently doesn't care about. So I think that makes sense. He, he has a size. He's their champion and all. I think that could make sense. Um, I Especially after the message about you know, we don't have bloody women's matches and we're not that type of company or anything. I don't see any AEW ones. Uh, Jericho would make sense because apparently he has a good relationship with Vince. Cody Rhodes, I could almost see as part of this contract rumor talk or whatever. Not as a legitimate thing because, no, I don't think he's going anywhere, but as a, oh, I'm not under contract right now so I can appear for WWE, and coincidentally, all of this is filmed for season two of my Roads to the Top show. That wouldn't shock me. Um, for my own personal enjoyment, out of nowhere, batshit crazy idea would be for Orange Cassidy. Like, he just showed up at the wrong venue and said, yeah, screw it, I may as well go out there. It'll never happen. I just think it could be fun and just to see how WWE would absolutely not know what to do with him. The announcers wouldn't know what to do. The fans would be going crazy. Certain wrestlers might be all for it. Certain wrestlers might just want nothing to do with him, depending on who else is in the Rumble ring. It would be fun. It's absolutely not going to happen. So, yeah, Broski, number one idea. Moose, number two idea. If anyone from AEW... Jericho, maybe, uh, Cody as an elaborate, way too elaborate storyline. Now, as for the betting, um, I wasn't worried about it either way. It's fun, but if it didn't happen, I was all right with it. However, my friend Maddie Treats there loves gambling, is very much a fan of it, and loves uh, to see Adam get uh, going on certain uh, wages and bets as well. So he is all for it, and uh, honestly, if he if he does it, he'll probably just put uh, all of us into one grouping there, much like last year. So uh, Jonah, Kevin, cut him off. Kevin, the, the voicemail <laughs> cut him off, and uh, not unlike Dwight over on Pod Van Dam, Kevin calls right back. All right. I attend out the call. <laughs> I'm embarrassed. I need help. Um, yeah. I'm I'm just embarrassed. I'm gonna do better next week. Shorter. <laughs> All right. So I I just want to say that if Orange Cassidy showed up at the Royal Rumble, now we have not seen Triple H in a long time, but Triple H would almost tear a ligament running out to the ring to pedigree Orange Cassidy as quick as possible. Like I feel like Triple H just salivates at the opportunity to just bury somebody like Orange Cassidy. So please, OC, stay far far away from the wwe so um i i I don't think triple h is doing anything like that these days i don't think he's allowed to (laughs) he'd be there with his like medical gown with his ass exposed pedigree (laughs) 
I, you know, I want, and again, this is terrible. And again, Triple H has been through a lot and he had like the heart issues and everything else like that. Um, I'll make the joke like when we know for sure the Triple H is like, okay, and everything else like that. That's all. I have <laughs> jokes, but I, it'd be in poor taste. Well, that's, I just want to say on record, that's, I consider that like one and a half between, uh, you know, Kevin and Maddie treats two more entrants into the opportunity. Okay. Next call. Hey, my dudes, Big Sue here. Um, calling to answer the question about the Forbidden Door. Uh, the only Forbidden Door I hope to see open during the Royal Rumble is the one that sucks the entire company into the abyss. <laughs> and we get to start with Scorcher, start fresh, start over. Um, as far, But that being said, as far as, you know, um, the at-odds Rumble pool, count me in. The only thing that could make this worth anything is a little bit of gambling. Anyway... Love you, boys. Hope you have a great day. See you next week. Bye-bye. All right. I apologize, Big Sue. I, I hit my elbow on the desk next to me at the beginning of your call. And uh, also, Big Sue on Facebook saw a little bit of a preview of some of my weekly purchases, but uh, was sworn to secrecy. All right. Good. Um, I like that idea, though. Like, why wouldn't or couldn't or shouldn't at some point, like, let's say after WrestleMania this year, WWE just like, they, you know, listen, there's sports entertainment. They don't treat themselves as like a competitive product or whatever it is. Like after WrestleMania this year, they're just like wiping everything clean. Just new roster, new everyone. If we want to debut new gimmicks, we're just going to do it. We're just going to ignore the previous year and treat the post WrestleMania Raw to the following year's WrestleMania as like a new season of a TV show. Yeah. Something in between when uh, Russo and Bischoff stripped all the WCW guys of their titles and just was like, Hey, we're, we're just going to disregard everything that's going on. And somewhere between that and your days of future past pitch for Chikara. Yeah. Something <laughs> like that. Why not? Like, let's take some risks. Let's do something different. You know? Yeah, I mean, it's no more absurd than a, a doll that can do magic. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All right, next call. Hey, guys, this is Dwayne out in uh, the Midwest, Scar on Twitter, calling in with my predictions for the Forbidden Door Royal Rumble entrant. Um, my guess is that it's going to be someone like a Christopher Daniels or a Dustin Rhodes in his current incarnation. Um, not someone that could use this to elevate their career, someone maybe on the, the backside. Um, who I'd like to see is actually W. Morrissey. I think this would be a great opportunity for him to get back where he once was without the baggage of his former partner. Uh, All right. I think uh, that was Dwayne into the call. Thanks for calling in, Dwayne. No, Dwayne's a longtime listener uh, of all the shows here over at Soon to Be Named Network. Um, w. Morrissey's not a bad one. And again, he's another guy who had like a rough patch a couple years ago and seems to be getting his shit together. Um, I don't know what his contract stuff is with uh, Impact, but he'd be an interesting one. Um, you know, come back as big cast or whatever the hell it was, you know? Yeah, I mean... I wouldn't necessarily pop for it, but it would be a safe 
entrant you know like uh, there's it's not like moose <laughs> where there's any glaring problematicness to it um uh as you mentioned before we won't get any AEW guys so dustin is out the window i would not give a crap if it was christopher daniels you know maybe 10 years ago but not now you know yeah I, like I said, i'm a big fan of uh daniels but again 10 years ago maybe today you know he's a real good producer from what i understand yeah. All right, next call. Hey, Joe. Hey, Adam. It's Tom Green. Um, real quick, I think Sammy Hagar should uh, jump through the forbidden door <laughs> and be in the Royal Rumble this year. Um, his experience uh, with wrestling through being the other show on Access when New <laughs> Japan was on, they would air his ads all the time about Cabo Wabo and uh, his concerts and stuff. Um also, I've been listening to a lot of Ben Halen lately from his era. He is the king. He's the best. Um, so, yeah, Sammy Hagar should be in the Royal Rumble. Bye. I thought he was referring to uh, Sammy Guevara and Jake Hagar. <laughs> <laughs> Sammy Hagar would not be a, that big of a surprise. Uh, but who I would like to see, if Tom, I'm sure, is familiar. Adam, I'm not sure if you're familiar. Um in 1980, May 19th of 1986, uh, at Madison Square Garden, in between one of the matches, Howard Finkel uh, announced uh, lead singer of Van Halen, Grammy Award winning whatever, uh, Sammy Hagar was here in attendance and invited him to come into the ring. But Adam, it was definitely not Sammy Hagar. <laughs> it, looked like, it looked like Dana Carvey wearing a wig dressed like he was an extra on Miami Vice. And he the guy got in the ring and got the hell out of the ring as quick as he could. <laughs> well, it's That's not his the fault. Sammy Hagar I wanted the Royal Rumble next weekend. Yeah. It'd be better than Johnny Knoxville. <laughs> I don't know. Listen, I don't give a shit one way or the other about Johnny Knoxville, but if it helps, like, press for both, um, the Jackass movie and the Royal Rumble, that people care that, like, Johnny Knoxville, who I think has like a colostomy bag from mm -hmm. doing all the weird shit that he's done to himself. And they kind of have him programmed against Sami Zayn. And that's going to be the most bang for your buck. Like Sami Zayn's going to look, make Johnny Knoxville look like he's a murderer, <laughs> you know, and yeah. Sami Zayn will get over by being in the ring and being on like whatever news outlets decide to cover Johnny Knoxville being in it by being right next to him, you know? Yeah. All right. Uh, you know, it's, it's no different than that year that Drew Carey was in, you know? Pink button time. Pink button time. That's right. Last call. Young Ed. Hey, guys. It's Ed. Um, Here's what I've been up to this week. I got tested positive for COVID, and it's been rough. <laughs> but uh, I'm doing fine, and uh, I, my whole body feels awful. But, you know, I'm not in a hospital because I'm vaccinated like a smart boy. But it's not all bad this week, um, because Dante Chen was back on NXT, so I think we could all celebrate that giant win for me. <laughs> um, but as far as the Rumble Pool goes, right, I say no to it. All right. But that's because gambling is a sin, and uh, I don't like to sin. But I think as far as, like, a Rumble surprise, they should just bring in Onita, because fuck it. Working with Rob Feinstein would be in the top ten of the five worst things that uh, that company's done. And I would love to see how Big Titty Terror defends it. <laughs> uh, but enough about wrestling. 
Uh, you guys see that Moon Knight trailer? That was dope. How do you think they're going to do the uh, radioactive moon item? You know, how is that going to work? <laughs> Can't wait to see it. Um, so, once again, I haven't been on Twitter in a long time. So, I just want to know, are NFTs still a thing or have we all moved on to a new thing? Uh, can't wait to find out. I, I heard on Todd Van Dam this week that Bret Hart apparently was in, involved in NFTs. <laughs> so that's how I know they're not cool. <laughs> um, so yeah, just let me know if, if NFTs are, are still a thing. And, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll talk to you guys, uh, next week. See ya. <laughs> See you in the future. <laughs> but Hey, that's, that's Pat's catchphrase. How dare you? <laughs> Oh, yeah, that that's that patented Ed Cody trashing a Bret Hart that has been missed, sorely missed across the Internet over the last couple of weeks. But, uh, uh, yeah, I guess NFTs are still a thing. But as I learned on Pod Van Dam, uh, if you don't like NFTs, you're just an old who doesn't understand technology. Now, that's I think that's just part of Jonas's bit that he does. Oh, a silly bit. I think I, I I wish he paid more attention to like where he leans on that bit as opposed to the other bits on the show that he's involved with. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, that being said, um, I think they on Pat Van Dam covered the NFT stuff very well in regards to the Bret Hart side of things. That it was just like somebody was like, "Hey, Bret, you're old. We're not really going to explain to you what this is, but we're going to like promote our NFTs off your back." Yeah. Uh, But I will say this, NFTs are still a thing because now Twitter is pushing you to have your profile picture be an NFT. Oh. Uh, NFT profile pictures are displayed in a special hexagonal shape. To choose an NFT as your uh, profile picture, you must connect your Twitter to your crypto wallet. (laughs) Whatever the fuck that is. And listen, I joke around and I hear people... Like, I'm still a PayPal guy. Like, I haven't moved over to Cash App or Venmo yet, you know? Um, I just feel as though, like, having my financials spread across multiple digital things is opening myself up to more and more digital hacks. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, I do have two-factor authentication, or 2FA, as the kids call it, on pretty much everything that I do. Um... But PayPal's enough for me. Yeah. I don't know if I could turn my Twitter profile picture into an NFT, considering it is just a, a little piece of the Todd's Art Attack profile picture. So it's like, is it a matter of who gets to it first? You know, right. a lot of people don't realize that that's a, a Tom Durenick uh, original picture of me but uh i don't know who technically owns the rights there i might have to look into this and lastly uh ed mentioned about the moon knight trailer and i todd and i ended up talking about it a bunch on Longbox heroes this past week if you really want to hear his deep dive into it now i didn't like go over the trailer with a fine-tooth comb like everyone else does it's like i watched the trailer i'm like okay march 30th all right I'll, i'll wait till march 30th but have you seen like the easter eggs and stuff that people have been finding in it No, I stay the hell away from everything like that. Like, if it's something that I know I'm going to watch, I go completely lights out, like media blackout. So the only reason I saw the trailer is I was watching the football game live at the time and I didn't feel like, you know, muting it or whatever. But I don't look into that stuff. Right. So it could be nothing uh, or it could be the beginning of 
a piece of the Marvel Cinematic Universe that's been elsewhere coming in. Okay. And that's I, all I, I'll say about I, that. I pick up what you're putting down. Okay. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that goes. March 30th, it's still a long ways away. I'm enjoying Peacemaker. Oh, I, don't know if Ed would, I don't know if Ed would awesome. like Peacemaker because it's like the most sinful show ever. <laughs> Peacemaker's so fucking good. Yeah. Uh, so with that being said, and I think Ed, of course, being the contrarian to tip things over the scale, I I think we're going to do the Royal, the, the at odds rumble opportunity again this year. All right. All right. So uh, five like, bucks a spot. Right. Five bucks a spot. Um. You know, obviously we're going to do it like because I think years past where it was like, all, like you're going to say like uh, at five bucks, like you want how many spots in the men's, how many spots in the women's. Right. Correct. So if I was to say to you, Joe, I would like to purchase one spot in the men's and one spot in the women's. I would send you ten dollars, ten dollars, friends and family. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you don't send it friends and family, that gets taken out of your winnings. If you win, um, I'll probably start it maybe like Friday at noon. Like officially just say like, hey, it's open. Start sending it over to me. Yeah. And, you know, I'll do my best to kind of keep a running tally of like how many spots are left in each. Let you know when it's closed. And then we'll do the numbers on the show next week. Yeah, absolutely. We'll do the uh, drawing from the John Cena hat. Yep, and I have the John Cena hat right over here. All right. Yay, gambling. <laughs> All right, so plugs we're going to run through real quick. I already mentioned Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium, a.k.a. IWTV, internetwrestling.tv. Uh, at odds, promo code, get you nothing new, get you nothing free. But if you are a new subscriber and you stick with it, it lets Jerry know that you came to him from us. Um, always check out their schedule. I know we're kind of running up against uh, Beyond's Wrestle Open on a regular basis. I think they have five live streams this weekend. Like I said, definitely check some stuff out. I say if there's somebody that you heard, you've somebody you've seen on AEW, AEW Dark, AEW Dark Elevation, whatever, type their name into the search engine. I'm sure you'll find something that they've been on done recently in the past or otherwise. Uh, you can also help out the show by making any purchases through our Amazon affiliate link, which is in the show notes to every single one of these episodes does not cost you anything extra. They Amazon call it an advertising fee. I call it the thing that makes Adam happy at the end of the month when he gets his cut of the fucking money. Yeah. Uh, notable purchases through the Amazon click through this past week, uh, is someone purchased the world wrestling entertainment series 88. Uh, Roman Reigns Elite. Ooh. And I think that's like heel Roman, big dog Roman. Head of the table, tribal chief, Mr. Ooh-ah man. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. S smash him and stack him, just like I did to Brett and Tim. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So what else we got on the podcast side of things here? Uh, if you want to listen to other podcasts, some of those include Longbox Heroes, Final Wrestling Place, We Need Wrestling, Porch Talk, Hit My Music, Wrestling Cheers, Viewer's Choice, IWTV Guide, a podcast that I've been told that we are approaching the length of, and that is Between the Sheets, Hellions Talks, Pod Van Dam, and The A-Show. All right, and if that's it for the main show, you know it must be time for... Some might cost a little... 
some might cost a lot. But I'm the $100 Vansky. And your figures will be bought. <laughs> All right, Joe, we all know uh, it's it's been widely publicized that 2022 is the year of financial responsibility. Um, here's the thing, though. Uh, <laughs> that's a lot easier said than done. Uh, I might have bought a couple things this week. I will start things off just very uh, towards the, the lower, less interesting end of the spectrum. Speaking of Peacemaker. I purchased the McFarlane Toys DC Multiverse uh, Peacemaker, but it is the San Diego Comic-Con exclusive unmasked version. If you remember when this figure came out, we were like, oh my God, that's a terrible sculpt of Giant Cena. Yeah. Uh, but like a lot of that changed when I realized how much I fucking love the show. So I saw that this figure was still available on Target's website. I did the gimmick where I, you know, kind of finagle things to get free shipping and I picked this up. So uh, really pumped to get that to add to my multiverse collection. And another real quick thing before I bounce it over to you. Uh, very, very hard to get a hold of. Uh, there is an Amazon exclusive, and I think we talked about this before, the AEW belt pack that comes with the, the tag straps and the TNT title and the world title. And on the back of the box, it shows Moxley, the Bucks, and uh, Brody Lee. And uh, this is actually like the first AEW Brody Lee figure from Jazzwares or, or representation or whatever. Sure. Um, and they retailed 15 bucks and are never in stock. But I just happened to uh, see an alert in the uh, Facebook group, the major Facebook group that they were up. And I went and I grabbed two of those. So pumped to get those. I'm sure at least one of them hopefully will be uh, in good enough condition to display. Okay. What about you? Did you get okay, anything? so um, it's that time of month. I've been getting a lot more notifications on them um, that more and more people are putting them up, asking crazy prices for them. So I decided to, and because of the prompting from you as well, trying to get me to buy a bunch of other non-canon stuff, uh, <laughs> I did buy the uh, Just Toys Bendem of Bib Fortuna. Oh, nice. Nice. Uh, what do they What do they whack me on it? Uh, I think the total was like sixteen bucks shipped. When yeah. I saw people were starting to put them up for like twenty and thirty bucks new. Yeah. And I'm just like, okay, it's gonna start getting crazy. I got to strike now. Um, I pulled up like seven different ones. I'm going over the pictures to see what the flaws look like in the packaging and stuff like that. And this was the best looking one that I found. And it should be arriving this weekend. Now I just got to find which case fits it, you know? Yeah. I've been seeing, actually, ever since uh, you mentioned that there were bendums of Star Wars last week, uh, I've been seeing, like, your your Luke Skywalkers, your Darth Vaders, and stuff like that pop up in the flea markets on on the Major Pod Facebook group. But never a, a Fortuner, I would have given you a heads up, you know? Right. And then you were trying to enable me uh, into getting, like, some of this other shit, like, weird, like... $200 gentle giant statues and shit. They're not statues. They're highly detailed adult collectibles. No. Again, the I, 
we talked about the jumbo figures. I don't like the way those jumbo figures look and the way that the packaging is, you know, eh, they don't look good hanging on a wall, you know? Yeah, I'm trying to pull it up right now just to kind of refresh my I have mind. it. I have yeah. it. I agree with you that the sideshow one isn't that great, especially right. just the horrified look on Fortuna's face. But I feel like the Gentle Giant one has packaging very reminiscent of a vintage Star Wars figure. It's too big. I don't like it. Everything else that I'm getting is like in model, in scale, you know? All right. You've got rules, and I will let it go. You know, I right. just want to make sure you knew that they existed. That's all. Yeah. All right. So uh, I purchased a couple cards this week, Joe. And oh, boy. I will start things off uh, saying that the first one I purchased, uh, friend of the show, AIW and many other place referee, Jake Clemens, has a rookie card, Joe. And that is in 2021 tops on a card featuring Randy Orton and Kevin Owens. Uh, Jake is the referee on that card. And there are lots of obviously variations of the card. You know, there's one of ones, there's one of fives, one of tens, one of two hundreds. Uh, I picked up on eBay a one of 50 uh, card of him for like $3. And it is one that he needs. So he might end up getting it off of me. Uh, but I am looking forward to just keeping an eye on, you know, them as they pop up on eBay and try to either give them a heads up or uh, if I have to jump on a card to, to make sure it gets in his hands, he wants to have the entire rainbow of his rookie. Uh, and I'd like to help him do so, you know? Yeah. And it's a really cool card. It's, it's pretty crazy the way the card is framed in that he's just as prominent on the card as Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins, which is, like, awesome. Yeah, like, he's more prominent. Because yeah. Owens and Rollins, you're seeing them from, like, the side profile, and Jake is just, like, dead staring at the camera. <laughs> right. Uh, so it's a really cool thing, and uh, obviously if, you know, it's one thing of, like, a set of cards that are printed in, like, some guy's basement, if I'm on those. Yeah. But, like, you know, these are tops cards, like, you know, they're and it's the last year the tops is going to have the WWE license for the foreseeable future. Yeah. So it's kind of cool, you know. Right. And like it's and it's not like a thing. It's like, well, that you could see my sleeve there, you know, like, yeah, yeah. There's no kidding. And I guess he had posted up on social media as well, uh, like that. His dad was like super proud that his kid was like on a tops card, you know, and yeah. that's cool. You know, so uh, good luck to Jake uh, getting all of the uh, like. All the iterations, all the variations, all the whatevers of his card. Yeah, and these 2021 top series, it literally just hit stores a couple, maybe within the last week or two. Sure. Um, so it, it's going to be a while for a lot of these cards to even be discovered. So it's going to be a long time project, but, uh, you know, I got nothing to do. I got the searches saved. I'll keep an eye out for them. Mm -hmm. uh, speaking of cards, Joe, I had mentioned last week that there's a special shelf. And my uh, Detolfs called the called the grease shelf. <laughs> <laughs> and I had a card saved on my Facebook uh, watch list. And I was like, ooh, this is a good card. And it's probably going to go for a lot of money. But I'm just going to watch it and just like, so I know. Like, I'd like to be educated on what this card goes for. So I saved it to my watch list. And Friday night, it goes off. But here's the thing. I was uh, at my buddy's house on Friday night. Might have had a couple of uh, PBRs. Oh, I'm just kidding. I won't drink PBR. But I might have been having a couple beers. And 
uh, the alert goes off and says this auction is ending. And uh, Joe, I wasn't in the right frame of mind to be able to say no to this auction. <laughs> oh boy. Like I, re- if it had gone off like an hour earlier, I would not be the owner of this card. Uh, but I am the owner of this card. Thanks to uh, uh, an altered state of mind. And that is the 2003 Fleer autographed and limited to only 100 in existence stacy keebler rookie card oh <laughs> uh i will not say how much i spent on it i've spent more on less but uh, i will send you the picture in a minute or two once i find it on my phone but it is i would say probably the last entrant to the grease shelf for the foreseeable future uh, and as far as I know, the rarest of the autographed cards of Stacy Keebler. So uh, I am the the hundred dollar Vansky, and I will add that to my collection. And this is Stacy Keebler, not the Miss Hancock one that we talked about last week. Correct. Right? Yeah, uh, I actually received uh, an offer from the seller on that Miss Hancock uh, at a pretty good price, but I feel like I did a lot of damage this week, and I might put that off. <laughs> you know, for someone. Week. For someone uh, experiencing financial uh, responsibility, you certainly are making some weird decisions here is all. Oh, Joe, I'm not even close to being done. I'm just going to send it over to you for a minute. (laughs) Christ. Okay, well, um, it popped up this week. Uh, It's actually coming out next week. Uh, The new Pokemon game called Pokemon Arceus. It's supposed to be kind of like a different way. The Pokemon game is going to be a little bit more open world. Because the normal Pokemon games, for the most part, are like, go here, go here, go here, go here. Kind of like you're on rails, as they say. Yeah. Um, it's not, but the closest that they've attributed it to was, like, Breath of the Wild beats Pokemon. But, like, you know, obviously for kids, because kids play these games. Uh, Arceus is the new legendary whatever. And my kid uh, is kind of like, he doesn't really care about, like, the toys so much. Like, he's okay with Funko Pops or whatever. But, like, they have, like, model kits that you can get of the Pokemons. Mm-hmm. So they're, like, a little bit bigger. There's not a lot of loose pieces that you have to worry about, like, losing and shit. And there was a model kit of Arceus that came up for pre-order to tie in with the new game. So I got that for my kid. Okay. Um, I purchased yesterday. A certain pre-order went up. And uh, we might have some overlap here, but I will say that Unmatched Series 3 went up for pre-order on ringside, and I pre-ordered the very first figures ever of John Silver, Johnny Hungy, uh, and Dark Order number uh, 99, which is Anna J. so I have those coming, and then I purchased slash pre-ordered two of the Mr. Brody Lee, and I think we have, uh, uh, we are in common on that as well, right? Yeah, that's my last purchase. Uh, you know, obviously you had alerted me that they went up, and I think I saw the uh, tweet from Ringside literally seconds after you messaged me. I went, I grabbed it, I pre-ordered uh, two Brodies, uh, one with a Fig Defender uh, to put up on the wall, and the other one to open to let it breathe. And, uh, you know, whether I get a, a chase or not, I don't care. Um, obviously, the day will come maybe if I see a Johnny Hungy or an Anna J or, uh, you know, Uno or Grayson out in the wild, I'll grab them. But, uh, a Brody is a day one. Kingston's yeah. a day one. Uh, OC was a day one. And I think, uh, I had tweeted 
to you as well on our little group chat that like uh, on my Facebook memories, the day that the Brody went up for pre-order is the day that I got my Orange Cassidy's in the mail from ringside, like a year to the day. Yeah. And I'm like, if that's not kismet, I don't know what is. Um, so when I when we pre-ordered them, they said that they would be shipping in late February. How much do you believe that, Adam? Uh, not much, but I will say that I was pleasantly surprised earlier today. I got the shipping notification for my, uh, my Orange Cassidy, the second figure. Uh, I yeah, forget. yeah. And, uh, the, the one with the best friend shirt on. And I think ringside originally promised that as late January. So it already mm-hmm. shipped, you know, today's January 20th as we recorded this. So you never know. Yeah. You know, I, I, cause Hawkins, as he talks about on major wrestling, figure podcast he lives right by ringside so when the notifications comes in that the the pre-orders are in stock he just hops in the car drives five minutes over and gets them you know yeah yeah so i'm sure they'll be doing if they already haven't done like an unboxing video of that whole set so yeah and it's weird the orange cassidy only has one pocket on this new one which is very weird hmm so that's it for me uh do you have anything else adam Hmm, let me see. I'm just taking a look at my notes. Uh, oh, yeah, you know what? I did pick up this other thing uh, this other thing this week, Joe. Um, it was in the uh, the major Facebook group. I just happened to, you know, pick up my phone. Uh, this was Monday. Yeah, this was Monday night, maybe around 6 o'clock. I looked at my phone, and there was a post from Matthew Cardona that went up a minute prior to me looking at my phone. And it said, here we go. And it had a link to mattcardonamerch.com. And guess what, Joe? The wedding brawlers were up for sale. Oh, the the long-standing uh, journey for you to get these goddamn wedding brawlers. I'm going to be honest with you. I did not think I would ever own these. And for those that don't know, they went up for $100 a pair. $100 gets you a mat and gets you a Chelsea. And... First of all, I did not think that they would ever go up for sale to the individual public. Second, I thought that if they did, they would be significantly more expensive. And Broski lamented that he should have charged more because uh-huh. uh, here's the thing. I bought my my pair, my, my Broski and Chelsea. And then as soon as I checked out, I did the little gimmick where you just add them to the cart to kind of get a feel of how many went up for sale. Yeah. And – I feel like I was one of the first few people to order mine. Cause like I said, I saw the link a minute after it went up and then I went and I looked and they had sold, uh, there was about 40 of them up for sale, maybe 42, something like that. So not a ton. When you think of the grand scheme of the fact that there's thousands of people in that Patreon group, you right. know, let alone the tens of thousands of people that listen to the podcast that aren't in the Patreon or however many, you know, it is. Um, so there's a lot of people that want these, let's say 50 pairs of micro brawlers that went out there. Um, so if anything, we had discussed like what would be my ceiling of spending for these micro brawlers. And I think that we had landed on, I would have felt comfortable spending upwards of $300 on the pair. So when I got the pair for a hundred dollars, Joe, the way I see it, I saved two hundred dollars. This is me. <laughs> this is me being financially responsible. Is to get those uh, those micro brawlers for a hundred dollars. <sighs> I'm just shocked that there were that many people at the Broski wedding that left them there. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, it is also possible, and I'm just spitballing here, uh, that like out of that, let's say 40 or 50 that he put up on sale on the website, not necessarily all of them were leftovers from the wedding. Like maybe half of them were leftovers. You know, like he had said on the podcast this week that there were 250 pairs made. Right. Uh, let's say, for example, he had, I'm just going to make up a number, 180 wedding guests. And that just leaves behind 70 that he intended on selling the whole time, you know, and then maybe there's a dozen that were left behind or grabbed by Mark Sterling or whatever. So there was always going to be extras. So what went up on the website is a combination of whatever was left by wedding guests and like whatever he had originally had left over. I don't know. I don't think they were all leftovers from the wedding is what I'm getting at. Yeah, because usually whenever they do a run of anything they always keep a couple on the side for themselves. Yeah. Um, and that, and I'll say 50, you know, a hundred bucks for the two, you know, 50 bucks, essentially a clip, whatever the shipping is. Um, and these are highly hyped up, highly sought after. And typically the going rate on a micro brawler up front is like 20 bucks. Yeah. So like, if you're a broski guy, that's not crazy, but obviously, you know, you're, you're getting into the micro brawler community and they're not fans of uh, the strides that they've made in micro brawlers that are a direct <laughs> result of Broski doing whatever Broski does, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Now, Joe, I had mentioned uh, that buying this pair of micro brawlers, like it's the smart business decision because I was going to spend 300 and I only spent 100 So like I made $200 there in my mind. Sure. Um, uh, probably like right after I bought my pair and I think I messaged uh, the group chat and said, Hey, I got him or whatever. A uh, friend of the show, Justin Summers wrestling cheers, uh, shoots me a message saying, Hey, these are up for, you know, for order. Uh, so thank you for the shout out. But like, after he did that, I went and I checked to see how many were left and there was like maybe eight left. And this was okay. 15 minutes after they went up on sale. Uh, so here's the thing, Joe. It's not called the Cardona Wedding Brawlers Friendship. It's called the Cardona Wedding Brawlers Business. <laughs> I bought I bought another set. God damn it. Yeah, I am the proud owner eventually when they ship of two pairs of micro brawlers, wedding <laughs> micro brawlers. And I am going to fucking flip those. And uh, I don't care what it like. I'm not going to be that idiot that tried to put them up for 1200 bucks on eBay. But I think I can easily get... I can double my money with no effort. I think I could triple my money with minimum effort. Because if only 40 people in that Facebook group, 50 people in that Facebook group got them, there's a lot of people that are itchy. So by buying two sets, you essentially save $400. Exactly. Yeah, all right. <laughs> so like I said, this is me being financially responsible. Uh-huh. Yeah. But honestly, like I'm very pumped. I did not think I would own these. Um, I had said that, I was going to have to start implementing very strict micro brawler rules because I could not be a completist due to not being able to get these. But now that I got them, I don't know. Rules are out the window. All right. Well, hopefully. <laughs> so hopefully they come in. Uh, before you make your decision whether or not you're going to go out to, you know, you wouldn't get them signed, right? You don't care about that shit. Nah, no, I would absolutely not. Like, even if it was something less rare, I would not want to tote any item to the Odeon and into the after party and any of that stuff. It's not yeah, worth it. Yeah, I gotcha. 
Plus, I wouldn't want, like, if I was going to have one signed, like, I'd want both of them signed. Like, I'd want Matt and Chelsea, and I'd want it in matching paint pen, but I don't want them signed. Because, like yeah. I said, I'm, I'm going to keep one pair, and I'm going to sell the other pair. Right. Yeah. Well, hopefully your self-imposed whatevers, right? Yeah. Um, That keeps up and keeps you out of trouble, and hopefully now the uh, year of financial responsibility could officially begin. Joe, I might have uh, I might have some big news for next week's show. Might might have gotten something that uh, now the details aren't hammered out, uh, but I'd like to you know kind of wait a week to be finalized, and uh, we'll talk about it on on next week's show. And and the only teaser I'll give you, Joe, is what's the one thing that Broski always talks about that makes him the Michael Jordan of wrestling figure collecting? The thing that he has that like nobody else really has. The the Hasbro's. Oh, I mean he has Hasbro's. Everybody has Hasbro's, but what is what kind of things does he have like that? The, the prototypes, apart? right? Oh, it has prototypes and like pre-production items and stuff like that. Okay. Oh uh, boy. Uh just uh interesting, interesting. But yeah, we'll be talking about some stuff next week. Oh good lord. Those are those are big I don't know what the hell you're buying prototypes of, but those are big ticket items, you know? Eh, I'm the hundred dollar Vansky. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully there's no commas in whatever it is. <laughs> like comma Mustafa? No, no. <laughs> That's all I got, Joe. All right. Well, a nice tease for next week. Don't forget, uh, we'll be doing the Rumble or the uh, Ad Odds Rumble opportunity. Um, oh, so what's your paper or your email for that? No, I'm not going to give it out now because I don't want people sending it to me before. You know what? Fuck it. Um, PayPal me. It's three guys from nowhere at gmail.com. Um, I would prefer you wait until noon Eastern time on Friday, just so like I'm awake <laughs> and I don't like have to get distracted by all that shit, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, kind of give everyone the same opportunity to have access to it. Oop, there's that word again. Right. Um, but again, five bucks, you pick how many, you know, spots you want in the men's, how many spots you want in the women's. We'll do the draft of who gets what number on the show next week. Um, and then I think the rumble Saturday next week. So, you know, it'll add a little, uh, enticement, excitement, or maybe in this instance, like people that actually care, uh, about the world wrestling entertainment for the first time in a while. Yeah. And for those that didn't participate last week, I just want to clarify, you will, you do not get to pick your number. Your number will be randomly drawn. You can say for $5, I would like a pick in the men's spot. You could say, I, here's 20 bucks. I want four spots in the men or two in the women's, two in the men. That's the only thing you get to pick. You don't get to pick your, your talent or your number. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Right. Thank you for the clarification. Yep. Absolutely. All All right, right. Let's wrap it up. Yep, everyone, thank you very much uh, for hanging in there, listening, uh, etc. Closing out for Adam, this is Joe, episode 174, At Odds with Wrestling. Be safe out there and enjoy some wrestling. You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Networks.